No, I could never hurt you, Dolores. I'll protect you until the day I die. I'm sorry. I can't protect you anymore. Welcome to Westworld The Recapables, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Today we're talking Season 2, Episode 9, Vanishing Point. We're doing this before airing without the benefit of subtitles or Reddit groupthink or a safety net. In this episode, we get William's backstory, a sad backstory, Teddy's demise, Ford and Maeve having a heart-to-heart, and Dolores and Bernard heading towards the valley beyond. I am joined for my laboratory debriefing this week by the Ringer's very own Plutarch. I'm not sure if that's a compliment. Editor-in-chief and host of the Big Picture Podcast, Sean Fennessy. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Cradle will rock. Let's do it. All right. And as always, sitting next to me, he's shedding his skin, but that's not darkness underneath. It's Danny Heifetz. How you doing, Danny? <laughs> I'm not Danny. I'm just a co-host pretending to give a shit. Um, that, that, that doesn't surprise me too much. All right. Let's read some meaning into this empty world. This is a big episode. This was like equal parts, uh, like a, a download or upload of a necessary William backstory. It was in some ways sort of evocative of last episode. It was like, here's some shit we just got to get done with. And then the rest was, and I mean this in the best possible way, there was a, it was other shit we had to get done with. It was, set, it was table setting for what's going to be the finale. That's, you know, broad strokes. But Sean, let me let me just go straight to you. What's your tweet length review of this episode? Mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. <laughs> I'm okay. I love it. Oh, I'm in. What's up, Willie Nelson? Come on. <laughs> Any Willie Nelson quote is a win as far as I'm concerned. Uh, how Like the, the normal structure of the show almost cannot contain all the things we have to talk about this week. But to answer your question, let's just break it down by letting me tell you everything that happened in this week's episode. Welcome to William's Black Tie Affair, where his wife, Juliet, that seal awards music, bails him out of an awkward conversation. Then he talks to his daughter, Emily, who's ditching the party, and they make plans to have a nightcap later, and oh yeah, they see Juliet getting tipsy, which feels like a thing. Save me. Sorry, I've had my fail. I'm running for the door. Guess you're not the one who needs saving. William then goes into the bar where he orders a McAllen straight, and oh hey, there's Ford who compliments William's philanthropy. William reminds him that they have an agreement. Delos stays out of your stories, you stay out of the valley. But Ford says he didn't break the agreement, William's project did. What are you talking about, William says, finally returning to his season one role as the audience stand-in. Ford says something ominous about recording guest info and slides William's profile card across the bar to him like, I've got the receipts, enough games, says William, and Ford is like, nah, I still got games. I think perhaps one... After the party, William and drunk Juliet reminisce and fight. She calls him a virus and a phony, and Emily shows up and says, we have to go back to the rehab center, and William takes her off to bed. If you keep pretending, you're not going to remember who you are, she says, and William puts his profile card into a book for safekeeping, not a good idea, and goes downstairs to drink, and Emily makes plans to have mom committed. And as they're talking, drip, 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 there's a leak in the ceiling, and we all know what that means. It means suicide. 
Meanwhile, in Westworld, William and Emily are at a rally point where he's suffering from getting shot two episodes back, and she's waiting for the Delos crew to rescue them. She was too late to rescue her mom, but she still may have time to help her dad, she says. He's, uh, skeptical. He still thinks she's part of Ford's game. And Emily brings up his little experiment, his pursuit of immortality, and she says she wants in. But he's like, no, that's not the daughter I know. And she's like, no, this is actually really interesting, but how are you scanning everybody? And here's the big reveal, I guess. The scanner was in their cowboy hats all along. You need to image their minds throughout their stay. Where's the scanner? It was built in. William is straight up losing it, though he's not seeming terribly shot up at the moment, for what it's worth. And he starts going off on Emily. I know it's you in there, Ford. I'm going to destroy the whole place after I finish this maze, BRB. Emily says he's, she's not a host pretending to be a human. She's, quote, his daughter pretending to give a shit about him. She's going to expose him and put him in the sanitarium. Then the Della soldiers come up and recognize William, but now he thinks they're part of Ford's game, so he murders them. And yeah, he murders Emily, too, because she had no way to know that about his profile card thing, except, oops, she has it in her cold, dead hand. One last flashback to the night of the party before the suicide. William is opening up to his sleeping wife about what he's been doing and how he doesn't really belong to her. He belongs to Westworld, except, whoops, she wasn't really sleeping. And after he leaves, she looks at his profile card and now she knows everything. And she puts the card in Emily's music box and presumably then goes to kill herself. Back in Westworld, William questions his free will and puts a gun to his head and second guesses and then cuts his arm open to find out if he's a host. And that will have to wait for next week. What is a person but a collection of choices? Where do those choices come from? Do I have a choice? Back in the Mesa, Charlotte and that irritating lad tech Roland have given Maeve's telepathic mesh network powers at Clementine, and they watch as she induces a room full of hosts to murder each other. Bernard is watching, hiding behind what appears to be a bloody MacBook. Ford is like, I told you not to trust the humans, and Bernard wants to find Elsie, but Ford is like, wait, 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 you have to go give a message to Maeve for me. Ford tells Maeve that he's sorry that she's stuck here and that he had another plan in mind for her. That was that whole thing that happened at the end of last season. And he didn't want her to suffer here, but he's proud, I think, that she stayed to save her child. Ford said he did that too. But who's he talking about? Is it Maeve? Don't let them into your story here, he tells her. And just like that, she starts modifying her own code. Bernard finds Elsie, who wants to know the truth. And even though Ford tells him not to, he tells her what they're doing to James Delos, they're doing to everyone who's ever visited the park. They're turning the guests into hosts, dun-dun-dun, or at least storing their info on the server in the Valley Beyond, or the Forge, as we're calling it now. Out in the field, Ford tries to get Bernard to kill Elsie, but Bernard says, get out of my fucking head! So he sticks an HDMI cord in his arm and moves Ford's files to the trash can. He gives Elsie a tracker and then ditches her. Fuck you, Bernard. Almost done. Dolores and Teddy and their horde approach the Valley Beyond, which is 100% an actual place that everybody implicitly understands now, I guess. They're stopped by the Ghost Nation guards, and they get into a battle, and Dolores kills the Ghost Nationer whose brain Carl Strand is scanned in episode one. I told you, friend. Not all of us deserve to make it to the Valley Beyond. Teddy goes off to finish the stragglers, and he finds a catch to his lieutenant, uh, Wanatan, and he lets him go. That's important, because later, Dolores and Teddy are chilling before their Valley Beyond adventure, and Teddy decides he hates who he's become and what Dolores is doing, and he has to stop her, and even though he'll always love her, he can't abide where she's leading them, so fuck, he shoots himself in the head. That was a lot. Good night, sweet Teddy. Uh, good night, <sighs> sweet Seal Award. I was talking to... Uh, Ringer Culture Editor earlier today, Amanda Dobbins. I was talking to one of her writers, Kenny Herzog, about this whole thing. And 
what I'm interested in is sort of Teddy's death at a bare minimum um, neatly bookends the f- from the first episode of the show. Yes. I'm not sure that they really did a good job of projecting exactly what the season about was about in that first episode, even on a rewatch. But there are certainly some... I mean, we were getting to the Valley Beyond. We're going to the Valley Beyond. Teddy's death is sort of symbolic of everything that happened this season. I think what I'm sort of wondering about more than anything, and we'll get to this later, is what is Bernard's role in all this? Mm. The big, the big idea this week is the download. Uh, we were given a lot of information that we've sort of needed for a while. There were very basic things, um, like these profile cards, which we were saying before we went on the air. How do you come up with a hashtagable name for everything in the show, and and then this these things are called profiles. It's not the most creative execution I've ever seen. Also, it's a little feels a little late in the game at 19 episodes to finally be arriving at this. But it's it is useful information. No, and now, it now it'll be used. No, listen. I mean, there's some things like we talked last week about Akicha's you know sort of bottle episode and how you know there's no judging the logic of the show, but there's certainly a case to be made that, or a question to be asked. Like, why weren't we just learning stuff about him and about Ghost Nation the entire show? You know, that could have been another storyline we were following. The fact that they did it on its own has a very certain resonance, you know, and power, and uh, and and ended up in a really cool episode. But you know, the decision making is kind of hard to parse. This one is more understandable. The Man in Black for season one was the central mystery of the show. Um, whether or not we knew it as we were watching, and the same thing is true of this season, where we know now, right? The show ends. This episode ends with Teddy shooting himself in the head. That's cool. The most central thing that happened in this show was the scene before that that ended with the man in black cutting his arm open to see if he's a host, right? Is that the most relevant thing that we still don't yet know about him? I think that if there was any question about its relevance, that scene answered answered it for us. And you us. guys have been talking about that on the show basically all season. You know, you've been wondering whether he is one or isn't one, whether he it was him in the bathtub for, and then he he has it was not him in the bathtub. It was not him in the bathtub. Sorry, Ooh. Danny. Danny, don't <laughs> hold that hope that that was him in another bathtub. That would be a terrible ending. First of all, you don't know that he's not a host, but no, I think what this episode established that was really important is that is he a host? Is he a human? Is he what? Like it kind of doesn't really matter. It's more about that he's having to, he had to get to this question and it's just driven him completely mad. And it's more about what that actually means. And does that, just because you're a human, does that mean you are real? And I think what this episode posited very clearly was that, well, you can be human, but that doesn't mean you're not like a faking, lying, like son of a bitch. And if you actually go back to his first scene where he ever enters Westworld, he enters with Logan and, you know, Logan goes to do some orgy thing. And Angela introduces William to the whole world. And uh, he's like just staring at her. And she says, if you want to ask, ask. And he says, are you real? And she says, if you can't tell, does, does it, it matter? matter? Yeah. And that idea has permeated throughout the entire show. This arc, well, we got a pretty resident answer in this episode, which is yes, very clearly it matters. Um, so I think it's more speaking to that he's lost the ability to tell and that whether it's a host or human doesn't matter because that's not the answer. It's not carving open your arm and whether you find blood or meat or bone or whatever, mm-hmm. metal, that's not the answer to what you're real. It's how you've lived your life. Right. Um, I think that's true. And I think that, I mean, that's in, the, in terms of storytelling, we got there in a very sort of organic, nice way. Yeah, I think also, 
I think this episode is going to ultimately be controversial for people because there's a lot of choices that are made and there's a lot of exposition that happens that you're pointing out, David. It's like they kind of needed to put a lot of this stuff on the well, table for us. And the central subject matter of you know suicide is particularly poignant right now. So that's very much so. that's, that it's going to a lot of people are are going to have you know very specific reactions to it. But I did think it was more effective actually than a lot of the episodes this season in part because and I mentioned this to you earlier David it just featured more scenes of two human beings talking to each other than we've seen probably all year mm-hmm. and most of that is baked into William's backstory but William and Emily William and Juliet William and Ford the, the, the connections that those characters are making and the conversations that they're having even if they're shaded somehow give us the the resonance of a real life execution um and I think I was kind of yeah. living in too much of Westworld this year to really uh-huh. understand where we were going. So I, I actually enjoyed well, it. Yeah, and the que- the questions about whether or not someone's a human or a host are very interesting from a sort of mystery box sort of way. But they're not. But it sort of clouds the depth of, as like Allison Herman on the Ringers rightly pointed out, it kind of minimizes the stakes of a lot of the interactions. I don't. We we should probably come coin an, a term for this. That's like the Bechdel test for humans. Like yeah. you call it, or the androids <laughs> just call it like the data test or something like that. That is just like if you can. If you have, you know, a good episode needs to have a certain amount of human beings talking to each other, even in a show that's about the the uh, self awareness and humanity of of robots. Most definitely. What uh, did you What did you think of the, just the Emily stuff in general? Well, okay. On my first watch, I I, I was a hundred percent sure that she was had survived. Mm-hmm. I, that was I was going to posit that. Um, no, and you then, don't think then so. we, we, we watched it with the you know the staff here, and everyone was just like, "Oh, she's dead." And I was like, "Nah, she, no one ever dies. If you die, you really die." And then I stopped it and rewound it, and I was like, "Oh, she got shot right in the middle of the chest." Mm. On the first watch, you kind of think she got winged, you know, that was just echoing. By the way, a whole lot of visual references, uh, self references in this show, a lot of cutting in this episode, a lot of arm cutting open, a lot guns pointing to the head, whatever. But there and there was a sort of feeling. I mean, people get shot and people get shot, but it did look like she went down like her dad went down two episodes before. Mm-hmm. Um, he managed to survive, and by the end of the episode, was just just walking around, just like totally normal. We didn't really get resolution on how he was kind of cured of six bullet wounds, right? Well, it's feasible that she had access, I guess, to one of these techno healers or whatever. But there, but I don't think that's true because the, someone bandaged his arm, like he had a white bandage with blood coming through it around his arm, and then he was still just chest. Yeah, and so, someone someone pointed this out to us on Twitter that I that you know oh well Ghost Nation said they healed him so like that solves that I'm like well as far as I know they don't have an operating table to surgically remove bullets from your your gut he's definitely still got a limp right now yeah so and well, Emily you, then this is gets the, sen- the med pack and then tries to save him but then like that's right behind him when he just gives up on Emily so again it's kind of still unclear there yeah and this question I mean the question that all this begs is if someone did heal him. That person knows if he's a human or not. Yeah, I, I think right. I, I mean, I don't think host technology has come so far that it's just like organs and stuff in there. If Allison Herman were here, I imagine that she would say that the her problem with the show is that it forces us to ask these questions instead yes. of like reckoning with the the Greek tragedy that he just murdered his daughter because he didn't know what was real and what was not. It's very true. I think that there's something complicated about. The concept of death for every single character. Like, I, we know that the season opens with Teddy floating in the, in the pool in the lake, but 
can Teddy really die? I, I, is, are we certain 100% yeah. that we're not getting James Marsden on this show again? No, I mean, of course Likewise not. with Emily. I think every character. Likewise mean, we, with Juliet. I mean, who knows? I mean, they told us we were done with Ford at the end of last season. Right. And he, you know, came right back. It puts us in a precarious place just as watchers. Just as a viewer. Not as viewers who record a podcast or write blog posts. But just as viewers, we're sort of like, how seriously do I take this? Yeah, I mean, and there's a million. We, we spent the first half of the season theorizing that Bernard and Teddy had switched consciousnesses somehow. And if something like that were to happen, I mean, if they brought, I mean, Teddy's body still exists in the most present, the most future timeline. Um, yeah, if they put like any consciousness in him, that would function. I mean, that would literally be James Marsden, the actor performing a role, and you'd spend the entire time wondering whether or not Teddy was coming back. Yeah. And- no, Sean, I, I completely agree with you because my first thought after we watched was like, oh, wow, Teddy's like actually gone because they destroyed the cradle. And then I thought about it more and I was like, well, for starters, that body that they found in the most present timeline doesn't have a giant hole in his head. And then they also introduced yeah. the forge, which is like a super cradle. And I'm like, okay, they've set it up so that he'll be able to return. And then I thought about it and it's exactly what you're saying in that, well— on one hand, the scene in which she decides to commit suicide is, like, very serious. They treat it like it's the end of, like, 2001 A Space Odyssey and that there's crazy sounds and it's, like, just cutting and they end the episode on it and they demand you to take this seriously. But then it seems like he's going to come back. So now they're in a position where, on one hand, maybe he never comes back. And he kind of had a really unfulfilling character arc in retrospect that he he just gets beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. And, I mean, Ford explicitly says to him in season one that, like, we built you. You don't have a backstory because we forgot to give you one. And then he just kills himself. And, like, he never got that backstory. Or he's coming back and they totally cheapen the act of what he did. It's a it's a fun metaphor for James Marsden's career. He's kind of <laughs> always the B-plus guy. You know, he's never the A. Yeah. Uh, I think – Okay. There's obviously a conversation going on in popular culture about stakes. A lot of this has been about around the Avengers Popularized movies. by, uh, by, by uh, Shark Tank, I believe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but the, you're the, smiling right now. You're so proud of that joke. <laughs> it took me so long to get to it that I just felt like I really earned it. <laughs> but I think the reason, the thing we say about stakes is like, if someone doesn't die, were there really any stakes? If the, if the city doesn't explode, were there really any stakes? And I, I wonder, I'm not sure if I'm giving this show too much credit, but well, maybe it's trying to go beyond that as a concept, that stakes are actually more of an intellectual pursuit than the physical form. Yeah, I'm not sure that there's much of a distinction. Okay. If this show could, I mean, I, I think that there's, it's interesting to find the answer to your question. I think from the point of view of the showrunners, does it, if they're trying to make a commentary on stakes, um, does that affect the way we actually watch the show in any significant way? It might. I mean, they built a show where it's we're up to us to kind of illuminate yeah, that, you yeah. know. And 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 if we can do it effectively, then maybe it's useful. But I think that it's very easy to just be like, ah, this is confusing, or I don't like it. And yes, totally agree. Obviously, the purpose of this is to try to figure out the why and look at the decisions that they make and figure out whether they're effective or not. And this this episode, for whatever reason, just felt better to me mm-hmm. than previous episodes did, and that makes me kind of ponder why if Teddy dies yeah. dies with air quotes flying um, maybe they've done something interesting that I'm that, I, that I'm trying to get to the bottom of and don't quite know how to articulate I think that's smart I think that's the right way to look at it I mean I'm coming from a point of view where like I'm good with this show going five more seasons and me just kind of every episode wondering absentmindedly if James Marsden's coming back mm-hmm. even if there's no indication that he ever will that'll always be a thing tickling in my brain I'm good like I'm very comfortable with this just being sort of a uh, you know, emotionless mystery box of a show, you know, and that's where, I, but, but you're right for the, a lot of people watching it, 
who have, you know, issues with stakes with, with, uh, you know, whatever the point of the show is. Um, I think that's a real, I think, I think you, you described that really well. And I think that's going to continue to be a question. And the other, the other person there is Ford because it's not just Emily and Teddy, but Ford just seems to be gone because Bernard's like the adorable voice crack yet. I think he said fuck for the first time in Jeffrey Wright's life, (laughs) but he, you have not seen top dog underdog. Mm. Let me tell you that. Oh, I haven't seen a movie. Ooh, another chapter. It's It's a play. Come on, Danny. (laughs) Um, Suzanne Laurie Park, show some respect. Uh, the, no, no, I, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, Ford, Ford is going to be an interesting one going forward too. That's part of the download aspect of this whole show. The, the very basic things that may or may not have happened. Uh, are we assuming Teddy's dead? Are we assuming Emily's dead? And then uh, really, are we assuming Ford's dead? Now, I, again, how many times do you delete him before, you know, that virus gets out of, out of the system or whatever, but it did feel like even more so than the gun than Teddy shooting himself in the head, it felt sort of like when Bernard moved the files to the trash, got rid of everything, that that was really Ford saying goodbye. Presumably there's still call for him, there might be call for him to do flashbacks and whatever else in future episodes or seasons. But it I'm I'm going I mean I'm I'm still riding on my like they're only paying him to do one take argument. <laughs> when he was sitting in that bar like we're going to see scenes and if he's in season 3 there are going to be scenes where he's just like like smoking a cigarette and holding up the script like that's <laughs> it. <laughs> it's Wait, fantastic. Let me, let me just you guys are the experts. What actually is happening with Ford? Like is <laughs> is he physically present is no. he just mentally present as a program is he mentally present as a as a ghostly figure what is happening every time ford has appeared since he came out of the cradle uh his physical presence is he, there's no physical presence right so he's, he's just a voice in someone's he's head he's a voice in someone's head that is depicted in this million dollar budget show as a dude standing in a room right with no aura or anything and like he that. has appeared to bernard and to mave and anyone else yeah. well so no. No. So so what he's really doing, so yeah, so what he literally did is he, before he died, and he had Bernard copy his mind, put it in the cradle so he could li- exist in digital, you know, mm-hmm. ecstasy, and then he dies physically. And then he's existing in the cradle, Bernard goes in, and then Ford just hitches a ride, hijacks him, rides goes him out, out of the cradle, the world, right? and then exists in his brain. That's what he literally did. As for why he did that, it seems that at some point in season one, he had a change of heart fundamentally uh, that... Arnold was right. He was wrong that they need to – these hosts are conscious and that he's going to save them. So the reason he's in Bernard's mind is like the devil on his shoulder telling you to buy chocolate bars when you're in line at CVS is that he's saying that the hosts – what makes them so pure and what makes them so adorable and like worthy of living on beyond humans is the same reason they'll never be able to beat humans. It's like assholes finish first and the species – he says to, in that last scene – the only species that are left are the ones that run when they hear humans coming. Mm-hmm. And he, so he's been trying to tell Bernard what needs to be done because he doesn't think they need to do it. Now, at the same time, he's a human. And when Bernard just like tells him, get the hell out of here, I'm going to do this my way. Well, like, I don't need you. I'm going to do it. If we're, and I think the implicit t- discussion there is if we are better than you, if you think that we are worthy that, of being better than humans, I don't want your input. Okay. And Ford's like, okay, all right, I'm out. And, and here's the question. I think what you said is mostly right, but in if in, as we learn in this, the season one finale, if that Ford is if for if we believe that Ford is invested in um, the in the hosts and allowing them to become humans and whatever else, 
or become, you know, their own, their, their own autonomous sentient species, beings. sentient beings, then he was bullshitting us the whole season. Basically, like being like being the evil wizard of Oz, as William called him in this episode, being this sort of like domineering, you know, dark figure. That's a put on in a lot of ways, right? I mean, when he talks to William, maybe not, but he but he he was the villain in season one, and then at the end, he's like, "Nah, really, I'm on your guy's side. Right, like, I'm, I'm the hero." I think it's the same thing with Bernard, or at least I think that's one way to read it. That he is he is the devil on Bernard's shoulder as a means of forcing him to make the right choice. He's not actually trying, he doesn't want him to do what he's telling him to do. He's encouraging him to do that. So because in making the right choice, that's how he attains humanity. He's not Mussolini. He's Karl Marx. Sure. Okay. And and they actually do make a Marx, Juliet makes a Marxist reference in this episode. Uh, Juliet, so, by the way, I, I, I wanted Juliet Littman uh, to come on the show. Uh, we need to say just because she has very strong feelings about how the name Juliet is spelled. And there was a disparity between um, the HBO press materials and IMDb about how we oh, officially formally is it ET or, or is it ETTE? I don't know which. I, okay. One was one way, one was Here's the other the thing. way. This episode, just for Julia Lippman, shout out to her. So big. She loves Celia Ward. Yes. Loves the show Sisters uh-huh. and loves her own name. So yeah. it's just the tic tac toe for her. She's in good shape regardless. This of is really color. good. One more note on Ford, though. Uh-huh. Just want one more note that in terms of again, I think one of the other. Complaints or things that people love about it is that this idea that he's had this master plan this whole time and that he planned all this out. Uh I think that what they did in that scene where he was talking to Maeve was crucial because, for starters, he cried. Like, he was crying. I've never seen Anthony Hopkins cry, and maybe there's a movie where he does it that I should have seen. But he says to Maeve, he's talking about how he planned that she would get on the train and go and go out into the world and escape all this place. And And she decided screw that and like went back for a daughter and he's crying and says it isn't easy to contemplate letting your children die you were as close as i got to having one still i underestimated you you stayed here in this world to save your child so have i so i think it's which is number number one if if we take it if we take him at his word which i don't know why he would be why he would be duplicitous in a you know, uh, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi message to Maeve. <laughs> Although maybe he's trying to spur her in a certain direction too. If he's being honest, then like, what the fuck? Like Maeve is his favorite child? What do we have? Have we seen any indication of this up to this point? That's a good example of where they screwed up, right? That's, this I, is I just, part of the they, download. It, it, but okay, if we take him at his word and forget the, the, the scripting, when he says that he stayed here to save his child too, is he talking about Maeve? I, I think you could also just or Westworld more broadly, in metaphorically, it's about Westworld. Yeah, all the, the, all this of the creation hosts. or all of the worlds or all of the hosts are are his children. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't I don't think it's as much of a leap to imagine that she's his favorite because we have known that there's been something special about her oh, since sure. episode and one of the show. Cho- he did choose her for that mission last season and right. everything. So it's not it's not completely out of whack. I just think that Dolores was such a was such a central and idealized figure in the show for, through the first ten episodes, and then obviously things went left, and he clearly seemed to have some sense that she would be the one to turn on him at the end of the season finale of uh, season one. Mm-hmm. So you would have thought up until. I don't know. Some point in this season, that Dolores is the number one, but I don't know. Maeve is Maeve is a, is on a Christ-like journey. Uh, it also makes a little bit. I mean, it gives a little bit of extra uh, oomph to the hatred that Ford has for the Man in Black or for William, if indeed he like you know just maliciously murdered and assaulted Ford's favorite host uh, as she was just chilling out with her daughter on the prairie. Well, he also did that to Dolores repeatedly. So you know, six of one, half dozen of the other. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, 
Let's just, before we move on, let's just just get to brass tacks about what we learned from all the flashbacks. We were in a party that is either a birthday party or retirement party. Maybe it, the party's actually just celebrating the philanthropy that keeps getting mentioned, that he gave a lot of money to some causes that Emily uh, endorsed or w- w- some nonprofit she was running or something. Although she seemed to be able to get out of that party in a hurry, which mm-hmm. probably wouldn't be the case if it was just a, if it was really about her charities. But anyway, um, and we know that, you know, Celia Ward is, uh, I mean, Juliet is, uh, you know, has some mental issues, some some alcoholism issues, and and uh, is, you know, we kind of saw some echoes of that in her brother, um, whether d- different things brought him out. But at the end of the day, William did, is the cause of their break, their, their, both of their breakdowns. And she accused, she told him that, you ate this, you, you know, snuck into this family and you broke us one by one or whatever. Um, Do we think that that's... Accurate as well, accurate as that can be. I think be. that that's a question for because they know, seem therapists. like a pretty damaged family to begin. Oh with. yeah, 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 for sure. So it's it's certainly plausible that someone infiltrated the family and took advantage of some of their emotional weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But um, I couldn't really figure out if we were supposed to feel like ultimately William is the devil is a villain in this scenario, or if he is just like another failing, uh, emotionally stunted rich guy who doesn't pay enough attention Uh, to his family. I think that from what we've seen, young William, Jimmy Simpson's character, does seem to be a sort of evil infiltrator in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But it's clear that like Ed Harris in the outside world is just a broken person and that it is, in so much as it's his fault what happened to his wife, it's not because of maliciousness, it's because he's lost himself in this just hapless endeavor yeah and he's been absent yeah yeah for sure i mean it's all his fault i mean so it's a whole it's all about defining fault or whatever but but it's not you know i think he's 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 gotten everything that he wanted from his you know infiltration if that were true now it's just his lack of compassion that's that's the villain let me ask you both an important question this is related to the flashback do you think there's something ultimately morally reprehensible about what William does in Westworld that then ultimately triggers Juliet's decision. Do you think if you saw someone that you cared for deeply doing heinous things to robots? Well, I think that was a confirmation of what he said, which was like, I was never yours. I was always, I always belonged to Westworld. So that was the tragedy that she's It's not, I mean, there's Dolores and that's, I mean, but and I think just seeing, I'm sure there was some element, if you want to really break it down, that seeing him with another woman or with other women Mm -hmm. was, is a significant, you know, that's the, the material but, but version not of it. another woman right well he not a woman oh right a host oh you mean your question is if westworld were real would it be morally problematic to go have sex with robots yes yeah so that's probably have you ever been at the beach have you ever been in a relationship have you seen my complexion <laughs> i've never been to the beach and i've never been in a relationship if you've ever, <laughs> uh, if you've ever been to the beach and you've watched children destroy sandcastles i'm glad this is where you went with of that. other people <laughs> Yeah, I no, just I'm really concerned. I, even about from this. when I was a kid, I was scarred by this because I never understood how you could want to destroy something so beautiful mm-hmm. or just something that someone had worked on. Wait, you know, and <laughs> what I'm saying is, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I would be upset because it's not that even if you don't buy the idea that the hosts are conscious, it's the idea that you're getting that out. Now, I certainly see like what's the difference between that and Grand Theft Auto. 
So I see that. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd be pretty freaked out. Me asking the question is not affirming uh, the man in black's life choices. I don't necessarily think he's done good things. I think that, that they just made this a very operatic moment where a viewing his profile was meant to trigger one of the most significant moments in the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. You know, her suicide. Well, he's deeply evil. And I think just knowing that that's the, the person that you're with. I mean, she was she hated him before. I mean, she had not hated him. She had issues with him earlier that night. But then seeing the confirmation that not only that he doesn't belong to her, but the revelation that he is an utterly different person for most of his life, for the part of his life that he cares about, that's that's it. Do we think ultimately in his real life he's kind of a milk toast guy? Yeah, I mean, he's a... I mean, I think that he was probably coasting at this point in a lot of okay. ways. You know, I mean, he was, he was a... a, a you know, wor- literally world-changing businessman, and mm-hmm. now he's just sort of, you know, doing his doing his giving money to charity, charity and, yeah. and I th- I th- spending a lot of time out of the office, presumably, or depending if you define Westworld as the office. Hey. I think the problem is we have to ask, and that you have to ask that question. And they spend the first scene of this episode trying to be like, "Oh, look, he's a bookworm, and he grew up poor, and well, he had to read as a kid." Oh no, and like you, th- I think a lot of that stuff emotionally like didn't land for, and I. And I really have enjoyed a lot of the, the stories this season, but I think that this story did not land emotionally for me as much as I would have thought it would if you told me what it was going to be in this episode. Because one, they're showing that, and you're they're playing those videos at the same time. I'm like learning like functionally what this like credit like yeah. Delos Value customer card does. Yeah, the profile and I'm card like, is oh, tough. it plays videos, and I'm like I, I just shouldn't be wondering what's going to happen the same moment. It's supposed to be emotionally, but then also I kind of wish that I knew who William was and I'd seen him as a kid or seen that transition and, and that we have to ask whether he's a normal rich guy or like if he's well, actually think, faked it this whole time. We just have to take his wife at his word. No, I think, I think the big thing about those scenes was that, I mean, the thing to take away aside from the various, you know, literary references was that his wife was his tether to the world, that he barely yeah. can function in reality without her just like bailing him out. And his daughter played some of that role too when you know when their relationship was good. And that's, I think, how we get to the end of the episode with him absolutely losing it because yeah. he he's lost, he lost his wife, his, his wife is dead and he lost his daughter. I mean, they, they, you know, had a big falling out in the process. He doesn't have any connection to reality anymore. He only has Westworld. And that's why he... He's absolutely batshit insane by the end of this. And again, we had a, we had to travel a big distance in this episode with him. Um, when, it, but then he just started killing folks. And he's just killing regular people. Uh, and that was did, a significant break. That was that was a shift. And of, his face. I mean, even like in the scene leading up to that, he was like when he breathed, it looked like he was getting stabbed. Like yeah. there was there was a lot of. I mean. Uh, you know, kudos to Ed Harris. And it also put a really dark twist. Like, previous, he's twice before been like, fuck you, Robert, earlier in the season. And uh-huh. like, it was like funny. It was like comedic relief and yes. we laughed about it. And this time, like, he's he's like, he kind of says that. And it was like a much darker twist. And I think that even just something as simple as that is pretty heavily symbolism of like, there is a cost to doing all this. Totally true. Um, all right, let's move on past him. I think, we're, I mean, as we said, we're ending the show. We, I mean, we end the episode with him uh, almost committing suicide and then putting a knife to his arm to find out uh, whether or not he's a human. And I think, you know, he didn't actually cut into Emily's arm. I think it's safe to assume that he realized she was a human and that brought about this kind of, uh, you know, downfall at the end. Chekhov's profile card. Exactly. Um, good thing she had that in her hand. I guess it doesn't matter unless she's going to come back. What was her plan there to raise that up and show it to him? I have your profile card. What was she going to say there? <laughs> Or maybe give it to the Delos people? Is this when we talk about the hats? 
I love this show. I was ins- personally insulted by these hats. This concept that, I mean, I don't know anyone. In, I live in Reddit, and I don't know many people who are like, well, how are they going to do this whole mortality thing, thing without it, the brain scanning? It's, it's, like, not, oh. it's not and, the hat. It's not that the hats are, are dumb. It's actually a kind of a, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be, there's going to be people that like that idea. It, but it wasn't, of all the questions in the show, but, that was not a question that needed to be answered. No, but they right? bent over backwards to answer a question no one was asking. And yeah. the result is ridiculous. This whole plan lies with people wearing hats. Well, I don't like hats. I have, you know what, I don't have many great you're physical not features, but my hair's okay. And I'm just saying, this whole, I mean, what, none of these entitled rich people take you're the hats 100% home? You're 100% wearing a hat well, on we the finale know, show. Though, I, when you enter Westworld, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is from the first season. When you enter Westworld, you essentially, like, get to put on your uniform, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. like, have a yeah. costuming department. And inevitably, they can control what people are wearing in that way. So it's not so far-fetched to me, ultimately. I think it's just the question of how long do you have to have a hat on to scan your brain effectively? Like, are people um, wearing the cowboy hat while having sex with hosts? Like, I, well, I, how long does it have to be on? I don't know. No, but that's the point. I think I would imagine the whole point of that is that they need to scan your brain as you're doing things to know what you're really thinking in a given moment. Yes. And I'm just like, no, this is Westworld. Do whatever you want. Wear whatever you want. Be whoever you want to be. Okay. You know what? Actually, I'm good. I don't need a hat. No, you have. That's not how it works. You have to wear the hat. And it's like, no, no, I'm good. Like, I'll leave it behind. Like, that's. Oh, yeah, it's I don't know. so fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, it would have been it would have been a nice touch if they had like, you know, if if Emily and her and her beau were like wearing, just happened to be wearing something on their head at any point in Raj world, but they did not. Like, if she had just had like a. Like yeah, if he had had a bandana on or something, or a kerchief or, yeah, something. Yeah. We had a lot of figures um, in Shogun World, too, who presumably the, were just like not the, wearing hats. If, like, the sticks in the bun of your hair count as a scanner, <laughs> I don't say I mean, a cowboy hat does. I don't know why that couldn't true. work. But, but yeah, uh, it was just a question that nobody needed answered. Uh, I think that's sort of the beginning and the end of that conversation. Um, Emily was, yeah, I mean, and it, I, I, going back to whether or not Emily is alive or dead, of all of the deaths in the show, this, upon the rewatch, felt like the most final to me only because going back to her debut in Raj World, I sort of feel like we know, like, she served a very clear purpose. Last time I was on this show, it was the episode when Emily was introduced. Uh, I think, personally, she's been the person I've been most interested in this season, and I think she's also a very compelling actress. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if she's dead, I'm pretty bummed. Yeah, uh, I think she does provide, like you described before, a window into William. She lets us figure out more. She lets us understand William more. And she's also just kind of a dynamic character in the world. The idea of another person who knows all the worlds really well presents a lot of opportunity. So to lose her, I don't know. I'm, I was disappointed. It's weird if this is a show about kids. If this is like, it's... Aren't all the shows about kids? like dude? parenthood or something. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, but it's like we have William's daughter... Uh, you know, we talked about last week. Spoiler alert! I mean, we don't know this. There's a lot of theories that Charlotte is uh, is Arnold's daughter. Um, Dolores is clearly Arnold's daughter in a different way. Maeve is now Ford's daughter. Like every even her daughter in that relationship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of a little, show about God and his children or Satan. Yeah, I think that's. I think yes. we've determined. Wow. Depends on the perspective. I Hard feel like I'm sitting between God and Satan, and I won't say who's who. That's. I appreciate that. Either way. Um, all right. So we end the episode with with. Uh, I mean, second to last scene with William putting a knife to his arm to find out, in fact, if he's a host. And at least we have this this question that we've been asking ourselves all season, much as it was with last season. Does it turn out to be the central question of the show? Because they're saving this big reveal for the finale, right? Um, we normally save what's going to happen next week for the end, but I think it's a good way to look at a lot of the other things that are happening. 
Um, this is another download point, and I mentioned this in the synopsis, but the Valley Beyond is that there, there's no confusion here. Hosts who should not have a particular concept of what you know this giant CPU is seem to know exactly what it is now. We're just we're calling it different things, but we're all like, yeah, that's where they keep the brain files of the rich people who visited the park, right? Shouldn't those things be like dispersed among many places? You don't want to just put those all in one place, right? Has someone considered this? You don't just yeah. put all. You know, a bank doesn't put it all in one vault. That's not how it works anymore. I'm not sure. Yeah, they'd be in the cloud. That's right. And backed up in other locations. It's all crypto. I'm not sure, especially that you would put it in a hole on an island that you are renting from a foreign government or something like that. That's yeah, especially on a show that is all about the idea of consciousness. There's so many pursuits to the physical space of something, which I find mm-hmm. kind of an interesting contrast. That they're always like, "Well, we got to go to the cradle, which is a, a place." Well, this is what machine. I want to know about. This is what I'm, where I'm talking. Uh, where I want to talk about the Valley Beyond or the Forge, as we're calling it now. I think in some way that my my guess is that all of this, the fact that we all know what it is and there's no questions about it, there's no reveal. I don't think we're I don't think there's anything left to reveal. I think that all it is now is just like, like for some reason I'm thinking of the Star Wars prequels, but it's like this is just going to be a backdrop for a giant fight. That's that's right. that that is that is the the final significance. A of, war for treasure. Yeah, this is this is the prize ultimately. That's right, but there's not going to be any like oh that oh, oh here is the treasure. It's like whoever wins. It's just it's someone. People are going to fight, and right. the winner is the winner, right? Or bl- they're going to blow it up, or they're going to turn it into water. That's my other stupid question. Where they. When they when Dolores killed the Ghost Nation guy, and it was the scene that we saw in the first episode, are we meant to think that he died? That where he died became the beach, or was he taken to the beach? I was wondering that too. That seems so far from because the we, know there's, Teddy. we know there's terraforming to happen, and my my vague assumption is that the forge will be flooded somehow. That 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 that, that the, the sea that they were found floating in is in fact the valley beyond. They have so much to button up in the season finale. Um, Hopefully they do it all. They Uh, won't be doing it all. This show has to continue. Yeah, but, well, my real tinfoil hat. Because the question is, what is season three? Season three is still in Westworld, and after a whole lot of talking about how everyone needs to go beyond Westworld, it doesn't feel like they'll be in Westworld for season three, I would think. Let's talk about that next week. Put Put a pin in that for now, okay? We got a lot more to get through in this episode. Maeve and Ford, we talked about a little bit. Do we think Maeve is just going to be like the see, like the uh, Cerebro? I mean, is she just is she going to be lying on this table controlling things, or or did her when she started sort of rewriting her own code after talking to Ford? Is she going to be like the mummy? Like, is she going to be up walking around with giant, with like you know, her guts spilling out, and it doesn't matter? Anymore? I hope they resolve that issue. Um, I think it's interesting. It's pretty that, grotesque. Of all the is. gross things we've seen in this show, for some reason, her like neck being flayed open in every single scene is. It's sort very of, Reanimator, you know. Yes, uh, yeah. It's very sort of like eighties deep. That's horror. a movie. The what? Okay, Danny. the eighties. I, I, I hope they resolve that. I, I think that because they showed another character with her, the power that she developed over this season, mm-hmm. she has to go to another level in terms of what her power is. What that will mean, I don't know. If she becomes Cerebro, great X-Men yeah. reference. I'm not sure that that really taps into Tandy Newton's skill set. I'm not sure either, but the fact that they proved that her power is re- is replicate, replicable uh, does sort of take a little bit out of what makes Maeve special it does. or everything. It does. She's got to figure out something else that is hers. I mean, we know that we're going to get some more. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably have a Maeve versus 
Clementine showdown and like you know like brains exploding as they like butt against each other. Not to derail us, but I did think that was a really cool scene. Oh yeah, that was really Clementine great. putting her hand on the glass and then the war well, inside that, the room. Again, that was a really well staged scene. Back to the info dump nature of the whole episode. That was one of those things where like you can show you don't have to tell. You show us in one quick scene what this thing is. That's it. That's really well they, put. If yeah. they had showed Maeve doing that six or not eight episodes ago just like oh this is this thing I can do now it's like and then just I mean she did it in Shogun World but we had already sort of established like her feel like figuring out your powers is a great back to X-Men I mean that's sort of how we how we how we as the audience understand the powers I actually thought that scene actually was a great encapsulation of what the show is supposed to be about which is about I mean, just the absolute brutality and horribleness of people ability to turn on each other, and then robots being recreated. But it's in this gr- like it's it's like a really bar saloon brawl, mm-hmm. but like it's not funny or comical or cool. It's like horrible and savage to watch. But in the context of this observation room and like being done by a corporation for profit, and then there's one person having to turn on. I thought that was it's all a science experiment. Yeah, yeah. If I had to show twenty seconds to someone of like what is this show supposed to be about, I think I actually pick, would pick that. Hmm. I would I would just pick you know Ford playing the piano. I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's just lovely playing like paranoid android. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Rick Roll video they released. Yes. Um, so yeah. So I mean we we have uh, a lot. I mean we we learned that that now they have this power. Clementine is now their weapon. They won't even need Maeve anymore. Um, if you know she'll probably be busy doing her own thing. A lot of unanswered questions about where to take that character, Maeve. Where does she? Sure. Where is she going? Sure. You know. Um, and Clementine, who, as we keep saying, has always been like a fan favorite, and you know, always sort of positioned as a lead actor in the show, despite very minimal screen time, is now sort of finally in that position. Who knows if she's gonna just be the weapon of the you know bad guys? Or... She's kind of the Magneto to Maeve's Professor X. Exactly. We'll see where that goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, presumably this. I mean, I, I hope this isn't. I hope the like the big finale of the show isn't you know just Charlotte realizing that these powers don't work on the hosts that are awake because <laughs> we already know that again. I mean, that's, I guess that's the flip side of like I wish we understood the process more. Um, Dolores, uh, we we talked about what happened to Teddy. We didn't really talk about Dolores's reaction. It sure seemed like she was kind of going through a moment as Teddy was giving her the the his whole spiel, um, and then the moment where it felt like he might kill her, and and then her reaction. I mean, she's she screamed and reacted um it seemed a bit delayed it seemed like she was trying to figure out how to process feeling well that's it she's learning yeah um and this might be her that might have been her big breakthrough moment as i've been saying all season i don't i don't i never have quite bought that she's fully awake i think that she's just still, still sort of a tool in ford's game um and but but regardless this seemed like a very human uh moment for her yeah, and I think it's interesting to, to think about where she's going to go next because I think right. if you actually go back to one of their first conversations uh, between Dolores and Teddy, Teddy talks and Dolores is like, well, we can go somewhere. And Teddy's like, oh, there's a place where the, where the mountains meet the sea and the, the water's so clean, they say it'll wipe the past clean off you, which obviously that's like a flex from the writers about mm-hmm. like, what the sea is and, you know, he's dead. So I think the question is, will what happens with Dolores now? And I think she either... Does the past get wiped off her, so to speak, and that she becomes this completely, you know, she looks at her relationships as just pinning her to the chains of humanity and her feelings for Teddy are chains? Or is she going to kind of do the roundabout that Maeve did, that those feelings are important, I miss Teddy, and and double down into those feelings and accept the sorrow and pain? Yeah. And that really will just dictate what her character does. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, But if she goes against the 
willingness to feel pain. And I, I imagine she'll become the villain of like the series, if not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she had her big moment. I mean, she had a very human moment. And this is as much as she sort of made the decision to become Wyatt more this season than, you know, the farmer's daughter or whatever. I mean, she has now to make the decision of what to do with that that pain, right? When were all of her choices justified and does she feel the good about The big question them? that this, this episode in particular kept asking is, am I making these choices to begin with? You know, were, were these choices ever mine to begin with? Do you guys think it's right that the only character whose purpose we really understand at this stage of the story is Bernard? Well, because I don't know where Maeve and Dolores and, and the man in black, I don't know what they're questing towards now. Maeve is seemingly at the end of her quest. She found her daughter, and her daughter is being protected in theory, and you know maybe she'll want to go out and spend some time with her or something, but that was her quest. Now maybe she goes on her own, an, a new quest to get out of the world. Dolores um, either wants to blow up the Valley Beyond, I think wants to go out into the world you know, after, after right, destroying Westworld. True. But uh, maybe that's undermined by the Teddy sure. experience. Yeah, I think that Bernard, for me, I mean, the most one of the most interesting things about sort of the second half of this season is that Bernard was just, I mean, as much as he's, you can't deny that he's a main character of the show, but he's just been totally sublimated, not just as a, you know, uh, I mean, literally, it's, he is Ford's proxy. I mean, Ford's trying, is living through him. And in this episode, I mean, he made the big choice to, you know, st- to get Ford out of his head, but then he did, and then he ditched Elsie so that he could go to the forge and fight off Dolores. But it's still like he's, it seems like he's just like a cog in this sort of broader narrative. I'm not talking about Ford's narrative mm-hmm. and just the narrative of the show. He's, he, I don't feel like I'm getting much out of Bernard. I'm just, he's just doing, he's just going through some emotions. Maybe he needs to wake up in kind of the reverse way that, that Wyatt or Dolores is, is waking up, you know? I mean, maybe there's just more evolution for him as a, as a, as a sentient being. I well, think so. I, I think we just got that because I think that was come some of his final words he said to Ford. He said, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this my way. Mm-hmm. I think that was very much him grabbing it. And the same way we saw <laughs> Maeve and Dolores come into their own as characters, probably more so Maeve. I think we're going to see now Jeffrey Wright actually get to flex his actual acting muscles. Uh, I mentioned earlier that a lot of things in this episode sort of function as a bookmark and more next episode, I'm sure, the bookmark to the season opener. The one, the one thing we know for sure and you, Danny, you alluded to how much they have to cram into the finale. One thing we know for sure is that Bernard is the bookend. I mean, he's the, he is the framework that the show is built around. And next week, we're probably going to spend a lot of time with Carl Strand, you know, with all, or at least with the explanation that Carl Strand is a figment of Bernard's imagination or, you know, whatever. Um, so they're, they're, they do have a lot of work to do there. And I think in some ways, and narratively, it makes sense. You can make the case that Bernard is, his narrative arc is coming is stopping being a cog and becoming an actor what do you guys think of this as a penultimate episode in the times of the reigns of castamere mm-hmm. the really like the table setting big moment second to last episode means something did you think that did this satisfy your desires around that yeah yeah i think it moved i think you know what you, what you often see at the end of these shows and and i mean it felt in some ways like the the second, the penultimate episode of a series, but mm-hmm. you see, we, you know, but you know, seasons do this too, where um, you build out the cast during the series, and then right before the finale, you just kill off everybody <laughs> that you didn't actually have in episode one, yep. you know, and you just got to get to the core crew. Yeah, um, we still have a pretty pretty expansive cast here. I think that it's gonna, I, but I, I mean, this was an episode where, um, like, the Ghost Nation versus Horde battle. 
was so, uh, I don't know if it was unfulfilling, but it was just so kind of slight. I think the industry term is weak sauce. Uh, yeah, that it, that, but that, but that's some evidence of. I mean, we've seen that in Game of Thrones. We've seen that like every show has had that, you know. And it's part of it's like a budgetary concern, but part of it is just as the audience, it's the realization that like, oh, we're just not going to get this gigantic CGI ridden battle scene. Well, we talked about. And we this- might get it next week, but you know, those were just sort of scout parties for both of them. But I, it's so interesting because this this came up all, the last time I was on this show as well, and. I don't know that that's necessarily what I want out of Westworld. I don't know if I want the winds of winter or whatever. You know, I don't know if I want the showdown. Uh, it doesn't no, no, feel no, but like I think, I think that just in I totally agree. You know, I, I know there's an expectation but that, of it. But that could have been, I mean, there's certainly, and, and I think that part of the purpose of that was to whittle Dolores' forces down to Dolores. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. that's sort of where, but, and, and maybe she'll, I'm sure she'll have some more muscle going into the valley, but, but. That's they could have done that. I mean, there's a version of the show where that same scene just has five times as many people in it, and it's not, uh-huh. it's not different. It, and we just have like a really cool moment. It, I mean, the costume, you know, the horde costumes and the and the Ghost Nation body paint aside, it felt pretty pretty basic. It was just guys falling off their horses and stuff. I mean, this is you know, yeah, it felt like a cut scene from from a video game. You know, yeah. I mean, in terms of. The penultimate episode and it being great. I mean, I thought Teddy died. I still am curious. But yeah, we like, got a lot. My thought was, oh, my God, like, Teddy's gone from the show. Uh, and then I remembered some things. So I'm, I kind of hope he's dead, which is mean. But, yeah, no, I was I was pretty shocked. I was definitely moved. I was very engaged. So, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I, I thought it functioned well. I thought they had to get through a lot of stuff. But we got some payoff. We had a, you know, forward momentum in the show. Uh, and and everybody's forward momentum or Ford momentum, <laughs> same thing. Um, and then yeah, we have a lot of questions left to answer. We'll see. My guess is the finale is probably not going to answer as many of them as we want them to. But that's that's part of the nature of the show. If that's we find out part. everything, there's not season three. Yep. Um, want to make sure that we touch on everybody before we get too far away. Poor Elsie was left by the side of the road. Um, Just a savage move by Bernard. You talked about the human interaction we got in this episode, but we got. I mean, Elsie's the you know the the cog of all cogs. We didn't even get Stubbs um, or the very, you know, the the Carl Strand crew in this episode. We got Charlotte for like one minute. Charlotte, who was just like high-fiving with Roland the lab tech because they figured <laughs> out how to put the brain, how to put the, the super brain into Clementine. Clementine, yeah. But, the, but And that seemed like, man, if there's ever a moment where you should know that you are making a mortal error or that like your excitement, your 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 enthusiasm is only going to end badly, that seems like one of those moments of self-awareness that she should have had. Should Charlotte be trying to calm everything down or to be creating super machine hosts? Like what, what what's her job in this at this stage of the story? I don't know. It does seem weird that you're in the I feel like if 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 the ringer, I don't know what the equivalent of this was. But if the ringer, if the ringer.com, the website was somehow murdering people, I'm just looking at Sean, our, our <laughs> boss right now, uh-huh. and Go everything on. was going crazy, wait, I feel like you would just be sitting in a room talking to text, talking to whoever you could talk to, but like you would just be trying to figure out how to turn off the site. You would not, there, you would not be trying to like fight it on the other side. It's right? a great premise for like a Blumhouse movie where you exactly. just described, you know, a website is murdering people. Uh, yes, you're right. I would not be it seems like she had, trying it, to build a bigger uh, weapon to murder more people. Right. Yeah, I just feel like, I feel like the, the question that they just, that they, they should be asking over and over again is just like, where is the bigger plug that we can pull? Imagine the traffic hit we'd take if you open the website and it killed you. Jeez, no. it would plummet. Teenagers would I'm go afraid, crazy. It'd be like, 
like don't Slender Man. I'm not going to say anything. Tough I'm, day on Chartbeat that day. Jeez. Oh, it's like The Ring, <laughs> yeah. but The Ringer. Okay, Danny. All right. So, um, oh, one movie I have seen. That's. <laughs> um, Man in Black and Ford had a little conversation in the bar. What What are we to be? What are we to take from uh, Ford saying that he didn't break their agreement? Williams projected. Is it is I mean he said look into what you've been doing look at like you know you've been reading all these minds is it is it that the project is so expansive that he's actually interfering in some vague way with um, the way that Ford's narratives are constructed that there's too much interplay there or I mean there's a really straightforward reading which is that uh, the, by by if the man if William himself is a host. And he's part of this new project. Then him going into the park and murdering everybody is involving himself in this in Ford's narrative. Yes, my gut reaction is that he's not a host, so I'm not really too worried about that. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. Uh, the cliffhanger nature of this episode maybe indicates otherwise. Um, I don't know because I don't really understand the project. I don't understand ford's pursuit and i don't understand william's pursuit fully and i think that's purposeful we're not totally supposed to understand what the goal is so it's a little difficult to understand how they fit together like obviously they're they're alpha and omega of the storytelling here they're the two oldest and most powerful people involved in this story but i still don't fully understand what one wants from the other and vice versa yeah, I'm not sure why Ford would be particular. I mean, I, aside from his, if, I guess if he's if his mission in life is to give sentience to hosts, that makes some sense. But I don't know why being left alone to write his narratives is a particularly meaningful thing. He must have other stuff going on. I mean, Danny, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we know whether the the goal of Delos or William, you know, same thing, I guess, is to just collect this. If we're still just in data collection mode for a potential. To turn them into no. hosts? No, or, I, I, I still believe very strongly that there are people like whose minds have already been copied and are right, either— but why are they co- why are they copying everybody that's been in there? Trying to sell immortality. That's so the you goal. copy it and then you go it. to somebody when they get old and, they're, and you're like, by the way, I, I, can re- I can keep you alive. I believe that is the plan. What's the thinking here? Is it just like this is good business? <laughs> like, why? It seems like Westworld on its face would be a pretty good business. You that, could make a lot of money just. Well, we said that, I said that this. Is, I think in episode one that like if you have perfectly li- lifelike androids, then there's a lot of ways you can make money off this. If like the you know United States Department of Defense would like to send some of these people into Al Qaeda, you right, know, like and they right. would give you ten million dollars per robot. I guess immortality is the ultimate pursuit of mad yeah, idolatry. It's a much better story. But it just seems like they've already created this but incredibly that's the thing. fantastical environment yeah. that has got to be a cash machine because the people who can afford to go there are rich. Mm-hmm. And you've got rich people in this in this Playboy well, mansion of their design. Well, first of all, the overhead is substantial. Uh, who knows what kind of lease agreement they have with whatever government. Like, sure. you know, it, like I can't imagine that's a very easy kind of real estate project. But if project. they're just holding the, all this the, the money if, but if they're holding, foot, No, 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 no stop, stop. If they're Sorry. holding all this stuff in hawk, then they're not making any money. <laughs> it's, all pers- it's, all, it's all future money. Right. Ford told Bernard in the cradle that James Delos did this because it was a business and it would not have been a business. So that, like, they're selling something, like... Ford said that. My best guess is that they are either already approaching people about this or planning on it, but that their goal is, look, we know what you want. We know who you are. We can replicate you. Do you want to live forever? Because the implication here is these super rich, absurdly wealthy people in the future. It's about control. We'll want that. Of of course, but but I still don't see how – I mean, even – 
even though this is a fantasy, I understand that. How much money does a super rich person, how much money would Rupert Murdoch pay for immortality? One uh, billion dollars? How much money do you would you make from selling, like having the only data resource that matters right now for any advertiser for anything in the world? That's like hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah, is that's Delos why a, they're doing that's it. A more, no, that's a more valuable thing. It's not about immortality. It can't be just about immortality. I, oh, I anyway. Do you think it's blackmail? I think there's the blackmail potential, but anyway, I think no, black, I disagree. I think blackmail is small change to to data. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all it does, none of it matters. We'll see. So let's just end the show with a very basic question. I know Sean's answer. Do you think what? Do you think William's a host? No, I don't think he's a host. Danny, yes or no? I'm wavering, but I'm still going to go with yes. But I'm wavering. I've can, I I kind of talked myself into no during this episode, during this recording, and it's not because you know, of anything we really said, but it's this sort of th- thought that, like, the fact that this is this, the fact that Nolan and Joy m- came into this writing the season with this is the idea, with the idea that this was the central mystery or one of the central mysteries of the show, it's a direct parallel to season one, and for some reason it just makes a lot more sense if the answer is no this time. Do we know if Ed Harris is under contract for season three? No, but we didn't think anybody was under, we didn't think Hopkins was under contract for season That's two. That's true. That's a good point. I guess one of the interesting things is even if he is a host, does that really change our mind about any of the choices that they've made? That's the best argument for being human. After all this, I, the fact that they actually have asked the question now removes the need for him to be a host in my mind story-wise. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I thought it made sense narratively more than anything. He's asked the question, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. He's gotten there. Also, there's a big – I mean, again, you know, your mileage may vary. But uh, him murdering his daughter is whether it, the difference between that being a human losing his mind and a host glitching out because he has to confront a hard truth about himself, like James Delos when he was in the apartment. That's a big. That's a big fall off. I agree. The dramatic power of him killing his daughter as a human being is way higher, way higher than if he's a host. Um. But then we, you know, at some point we're going to get into this conversation about whether or not, like, the real people brains in host bodies, if they succeed, are actually just humans. Uh, okay. We'll save the philosophy um, for when, uh, so we have we have this, after this episode, we have one more. All we have left is the finale. Then our daily Westworld philosophy podcast begins. <laughs> the, uh, the rethinkables. Yeah, exactly. Shout and, out uh, to Descartes. Anyway, that. we will be back on Tuesday with our regular tinfoil episode. And then following that, we are going to have a live show on Sunday immediately after the finale. Um, There will be uh, a video component, uh, presumably a podcast that will come out really shortly thereafter. Periscope, YouTube. Yeah. All the the video channels the Ringer has at its disposal. Tell me what you've signed me up for, Sean. I've signed you up to be uh, monitored (laughs) 24-7 via video. And you'll be forced to create Westworld content during those entire periods. <laughs> that would be great if we didn't actually put it on the stage and if I was being filmed in my home surreptitiously and you were like, hey, it's the, it's the Ringer Live show. And it's just me and Danny on separate couches just being really sad, crying and eating Oreos or something. I don't know. There's I, a brain scanner in your head right now, David. Uh, how did you know I cry when I eat Oreos? That's what we all do. Um, thank you guys for listening. Sean, thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Danny, thank you for being you. We'll see you back here on Tuesday. Um, and get hyped for the finale. Adios, amigos.
Our theme song was made by our friends at songfinch.com. Check out Songfinch to turn your stories, memories, and feelings into a one-of-a-kind song by professional musicians. It makes the perfect gift for any occasion. songfinch.com. 